if you've seen in the lobby over the past month or so, you might have seen uh, posters that say, all of Jesus for all the world. And this has become a key phrase in the alliance uh, over the past year because that's actually the, really the new vision that the leaders of the Christian and Missionary Alliance have cast for us as a denomination. And it's also our emphasis theme for missions this year. All of Jesus for all the world. And so this morning, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 28, a well-known passage. And I want to talk about this concept, this idea of all of Jesus for all the world. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 28, the last couple verses, 18 through 20, which we know as the Great Commission. And they read as follows. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So, The key word in this passage is all. A small and simple word, but it appears four times. All authority, all nations, all that I've commanded you, and always. So I want to briefly look at each of these aspects because they're essential for us taking all of Jesus to all the world. And this message is going to be shorter than usual because we have a, uh, a video at the end that our friend Austin Barber is going to give us an update on what it's looking like for him to see all of Jesus being brought to all of Indonesia, or at least his local area. So, let's first of all look at all authority. First and foremost, Jesus establishes that he has the authority to, to, to give the commands that follows. And the, and the context of the claim is important. Because Matthew records Jesus predicting his death and resurrection three times in his gospel. And in this passage, he's now standing before the disciples after he's been beaten, tortured, crucified, and laid in a tomb for three days. So it's no wonder that verse 17 says that they worshipped, but also doubted that, you know, typically when people die, they stay dead. And so for Jesus to be standing before them uh, causes some, some doubt within them. But by raising Jesus from the dead, God was putting his stamp of approval, approval on Jesus as his son. His prophetic prediction about his fate came true, which was proof that he was a true prophet. And so his claims to be the Messiah and ultimately the Son of God, uh, held weight because he's standing before them, and God proved it through his resurrection. And I've heard one Christian say, I just have a personal policy that when someone raises themselves from the dead, I believe whatever they say. Whatever, what, when someone raises themselves from the dead, I believe just whatever they say, because they probably have some sort of authority. And so this is the setting which Jesus makes his bold claim. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So what does this mean for Jesus to have all authority? And what implications does that have for, for our vision to take all of Jesus to all the world? Well, it's this. 
We cannot fail this mission because we carry our king's credentials. We cannot fail this mission because we carry our king's credentials. As those who are sent by the one who has authority to send, we then go in his authority. He's authorized us to go with his message of the kingdom, to call those who are lost to repent and believe the gospel. Now, a helpful illustration might be to consider ambassadors. So, ambassadors are people who go to another country to represent the country that they originally came from. So, the United States, we have ambassadors all over the world in different countries representing the United States there. Now, these people who are sent as ambassadors, uh, they are approved by the government and they have the credentials, in theory, uh, to, to do the job. But even more specifically, they are nominated by the present president to go and represent him to that nation in that specific country. So this is very fitting imagery, especially considering the fact that Paul actually uses this exact imagery in 2 Corinthians 5. Paul says that since we've been reconciled with God, he's entrusted us with the ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. So Jesus actually allows us to stand in for him since he's not physically here. As one with all authority... He passed that on to us. So in Jesus' name, empowered by the Spirit, we preach the gospel. We heal the sick. We cast out demons. And yes, we even have authority in Christ to see the dead raised. Wow. Imagine that. What would Lexington, North Carolina look like if the Christians in our community lived as those sent by the one who has authority over all things? What would the world look like if every Christian truly believed that Christ had commissioned us with his all-encompassing authority? And, I mean, I think it's clear that our impact for the kingdom of God on individual lives and our communities would be far greater. We go in the authority of Jesus' name as ambassadors representing him. Whether it's working with a client sitting in the break room with co-workers, coaching a team, nursing someone in the hospital, serving someone their food, teaching in a classroom, playing on the court or the field, or working construction, you have been commissioned by your king to live out and share the gospel. And guess what? We cannot fail this mission because we carry our king's credentials. So knowing that Jesus has all authority, it's no wonder that the scope of this mission is so big. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Now typically when we think of nations or hear this word, we think of countries, you know, geopolitical states. Uh, However, in the context of discussing missions, uh, it's used to discuss or to to, uh, talk about people groups, specifically Uh, Ethnic groups that have their own distinct language, culture, and identity. So to give you an example, uh, India is one large country, one geopolitical state. However, within India, there are around 2,400 distinct ethnic or people groups there. Most of which are unreached, non-Christian, don't have enough Christians 
living amongst them in order for the gospel to move throughout them as a people group. So when we talk about nations, when Jesus is talking about all nations, he's referring to these people groups. And it makes sense when we see in Revelation, uh, it talks about all nations, tribes, peoples, and languages around the throne of Jesus, worshiping him. So many of you know that I majored in cross-cultural studies at Toccoa Falls College, which meant that my major study of focus was on missions and anthropology, which is the study of people and culture. And in the summer of 2018, I had the opportunity to do an internship in Indonesia, where I lived there for two months. And I had a very diverse experience while I was there. Uh, I was on four different islands. I was involved with six different ministries. And I heard over a dozen different languages while I was there. So I got a big kind of picture idea of what was going on there in Indonesia. And while I was on the island of Sulawesi, uh, I was with some Indonesian Christians and an international worker, and we were going up into the mountains to the retreat center of Robert Jaffray, who was uh, an alliance visionary and pioneer for taking the gospel to unreached people groups uh, throughout Indonesia in the early 1900s. So after we arrived, uh, we checked out the land and the house, and we sat down, and the international worker had each of us share how we became Christians. And so one of my Papuan friends began to share, but my fluency in Indonesian was uh, minimal, so I only got bits and pieces. Uh, and then the international worker explained to me what my friend had just said. So in the 1970s, uh, 13 international workers from the Netherlands uh, first went to my friend's tribe while his grandparents were around. However, the tribe was not very receptive to the gospel. And as the workers continued to share the gospel, the people became increasingly hostile. My friend's tribe practiced cannibalism. So eventually they murdered all 13 international workers and ate them. And there were no workers sent for many years to the tribe. No Christians. But eventually... Some international workers, some missionaries had this burden, this heart for this people years later and went back to them. And to make a long story short, the entire tribe came to Christ and my friend, whose parents were cannibals, was now at Bible college studying so that he could be a missionary to other unreached tribes in Papua. This mission cannot and will not fail because we carry our king's credentials. Jesus had these kind of tribes in mind when he said all nations. Some of them are made up of only a couple hundred tribes or a couple hundred people. But he didn't just mean these, these small tribes that are tucked away in the mountains or the jungles. He's also referring to these, these large people groups within cities that are composed of millions of of people that don't have the gospel. Jesus had them in mind too. And the point that he's making is this. When he says to go to all nations, no one is to be denied 
the opportunity to enter his kingdom. No one is to be denied the opportunity to enter his kingdom. 2 Peter 3.9 says that God does not wish that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And this doesn't mean that everyone will repent and be saved, but this does show God's heart for lost humanity and his desire for all to have the opportunity to hear the gospel. Okay, so Jesus has told us he has all authority and he's sending us to all nations. And now the question is, what do we do when we go? What do we teach? And thankfully, he doesn't leave us guessing, which leads us to our third all. He says, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. Wow. Okay, Jesus, all of it, like all of it, that's a lot. You said a lot of stuff when you were here on earth. How can I teach others to obey all that you commanded whenever I don't even obey all that you commanded? But maybe that's the point. He says, go and make disciples. He doesn't say, go and make converts, go and make good people, go and make religious people, go and make compliant people. No. Disciples. In Jesus' day, disciples would attach themselves to a rabbi and follow them wherever they went, eat with them, and learn from them. They became many versions of their rabbi. But the reality is, is that discipleship is a lifelong journey. We're never going to complete our discipleship. So when Jesus tells us to teach all that he has commanded, he's referring to everything we need to remain rooted in his great love and guided in his sacred mission. The man who founded the Christian Missionary Alliance was Albert Benjamin Simpson, better known as A.B. Simpson. And he said that the Alliance is a deeper life and missions movement in that order. And by deeper life, he essentially meant a life characterized by holiness, obedience, and service, as opposed to the self-life that is characterized by sin, rebellion, and selfishness. So only when we experience the deeper life by encountering Christ's love and forgiveness in the depths of our souls will we be stirred to missions. And that's why the order of being a deeper life movement first and a missions movement second is important. Because if we go on mission without all that we need to abide in his love and keep focused on the mission, then we'll crash and burn because we go in our own strength. Only when Christians experience this deeper life in Christ that he purchased on the cross will we have the motivation and empowerment to carry on this great commission even when it gets difficult and even when opposition and persecution arises. And when living this out, or when when this happens, living out and teaching all that Christ commanded us becomes a joy. Because no longer is it a religious obligation that we do so that God isn't mad at us. Rather, It's a choice to honor our king out of a passionate devotion of love. So when we stay rooted in his great love, we will have all we need to obey what he's commanded, to teach others to do the same, 
and be guided in this sacred mission to, to, to make disciples of all nations. And these are big responsibilities and can be really intimidating for us. And Jesus seems to be asking a lot of his disciples here, and the reality is, is that he is. He is asking a lot. However, he doesn't just give us these huge responsibilities and say, good luck, you got this. See you when I come back. If any of you have seen the Spider-Man movies, you know the scene where Peter Parker is talking with his Uncle Ben as he's dying. And with his dying breath, he says to his nephew, with great power comes great responsibility. Well, I believe if we flip that phrase around when talking about missions so that it says with great responsibility comes great power, we'll see that this is also true. After giving his disciples this huge responsibility of going to all nations and teaching them all that he commanded, he gives them this reassuring promise. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What a comforting promise. And something that I learned as I was studying this passage and preparing for this message that I never noticed before was that Matthew actually starts and ends his gospel with a focus on Jesus' presence with us. If you think about it, in Matthew 1.23, Matthew interprets Jesus' birth to be the fulfillment of Isaiah 7.14, which says the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Then in the last verse of Matthew's gospel, Jesus promises that he will be with us to the end. God with us. He knows this is a huge calling and responsibility. So when he says that he will be with us always, he is referring to his spirit's 24-7 abiding power and presence. With great responsibility comes great power. In Acts 1-8, Jesus literally says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And this is good because it means it's not up to us. Yes, we must go. Yes, we must send. Yes, we must mobilize. Yes, we must support. But ultimately, we must rely on the constant power and presence of the Holy Spirit of Jesus to work in the lives of the lost. We plant and we water seeds, but God is the one who ultimately makes them grow. And the promise of his consistent presence with us on this mission gives us reassurance and hope. Because the task of world missions can seem daunting with thousands of unreached people groups still in need of the gospel, rising geopolitical tensions around the world between countries, and increased hostility towards Christianity the world over. The 24-7 power and presence of a king who has authority, all authority, over all things is just what we need to teach all nations all that Jesus commanded us. All is a simple word, yet we see an example in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, of how meaningful it can be. Jesus, as the king, has all authority to send 
us as his ambassadors to all nations to teach them all that he commanded. And we can do this because he is with us always. All of Jesus for all the world. It's a big vision, a God-sized vision that he will see unto completion. At General Council this summer, one of the keynote speakers put it this way. All of Jesus for all the world takes all of Jesus in all of us. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you that you are taking your gospel to the ends of the earth, that your kingdom is advancing. We've seen it here in this past year in Lexington. People coming to faith, people being healed, people being delivered from demonic oppression. We praise you, Jesus. Baptisms, Lord. And to hear of these things happening around the world, God, we praise you. You, Jesus, are going to all the world. Lord, light the flame within our soul. Fan it into a glowing fire to take this gospel of the kingdom to the ends of the earth. We love you, Jesus, and pray these things in your name. Amen. Let me leave you with these final words from Matthew 24, 14, where Jesus says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Go and take all of Jesus to all of your world.